So, we're going to be in Psalm 33 tonight, uh, and if you have a Bible app on your phone, uh, I'll be in the New Living Translation, uh, so it'll be a little bit different than the Bibles that are in the pews, uh, but I think we'll have it up there for you. But we're going to work, work our way through Psalm 33, uh, but before we do that, uh, John, if you have that video that I didn't play earlier, uh, I'm going to show that now, but... Uh, when I think about, well, when most people think about the new year, they think about what? Working out? Yeah. New Year's resolutions, right? And, and probably the top on that list is working out. Uh, and so I like to help you with, like, real-world application, you know? And so um, for those of you that maybe that's on the top of your list of New Year's resolutions is working out, I wanted to, to show you a video of things not to do in the gym so that you don't look like a fool and don't end up on the internet. So uh, let's look at those as we talk a little bit about New Year's, new resolutions. That's not good form. <laughs> Guys in the back, huh? Don't do it, man. Don't do it. my favorite exercise. background. <laughs> so, those are some things not to do. Uh, those things crack me up. My favorite, one of my favorite parts of those is uh, that there's like people that are in the gym that see that happen. And then they like just creep around the corner and they just film it, you know? Uh, so be careful if you're in the gym for the first time. Maybe ask somebody what to do on a machine instead of assuming you know what you're doing. Uh, but, but yeah, so New Year, a lot of people, um, 
have New Year's resolutions. They have new things that they're, they're focused on, the new things that they are really, in a lot of ways, putting their hope in, okay? And, and they're putting their hope in a lot of uh, new things, and maybe that's, again, maybe working out and your body and your image is something that is on your mind of, like, I want to work hard at th- that this year, uh, and I'm going to put my hope in this. And as I put my hope in this, I'm going to put way more weight on this thing than I ever should. Um, other thing is that people put their hopes in sports, right? Whether the sports that you play are the ones that you watch. Uh, and so if you put your hope in the Cowboys, you get dis- disappointed all the time, right? Um, but if you put your hope in the Ohio State Buckeyes, then you're pretty good this year. Um, so putting your hope in sports, again, ones you watch, teams you watch, things like that that you follow, but also the sports that you play. So maybe you are putting hope in something that you are going to play and putting a lot of work into that. Some of you will put hope into school um, and, and in grades and getting some kind of a recognition for those things. Some of you will put hope in a specific school after you graduate this year. And so that's really on your mind of, I, I need to get into this school or I need to go there. And, and you're putting your hope in that. Uh, some of you will be putting your hope in relationships, all kinds of relationships, in dating relationships, in relationships with your parents or your family, um, in relationships with, other, with just friends. Um, some of us put hope in money and in things. But all, my whole point in going through Psalm 33 and my whole point of tonight uh, is the very last verse of this in Psalm uh, 33, and it's verse 22. And it says, Lord, the last half of this last verse Lord, for our hope is in you alone. So we will, we will track through this and see why that should be the case. But, but I hope you hear that tonight, that as we do start a new year, if your hope is in anything else other than Jesus Christ, if your hope is in anything else, it will fail, it will let you down, it will leave you disappointed, and it may even crush you. Our hope should be in God alone. And, there, and really, as you walk through Psalm 30, 33, you get lots of reasons why that should be the case. Um, so I'm going to walk through this. We'll, we'll go a few verses at a time. And, and I want to show you what, what I saw as I walked through this, um, this, this psalm uh, and what, what we see uh, about God in this, and hopefully what we see about ourselves through that. And so let me pray, and then we will dig into it. God, we just thank you for who you are. I thank you that this is your word, like we've been talking about on Sunday mornings, that, uh, God, this is your word that you uh, spoke these things, that, that even though it's written down by people, these are things that you inspired them to write down, and it is literally the word of God that we get to read, the word of God that we can study, the word of God that we get to listen to, um, and so as we listen to this tonight and what you are saying, let us believe that, that it is you that is saying it. Um, God, that these are your words that you want us to know. Um, your word is truth. In a world that gives us a bunch of lies, your word is truth. And so I pray that we would rest in the truth tonight, that the truth would bring us freedom, uh, as you promise it will. And so I pray that you would speak through your word tonight. Um, and that we would hear what it is that you have to say for us tonight. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
so Psalm 33, the first three verses here. Let the godly sing with joy to the Lord, for it is fitting to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-string harp. Sing new songs of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. These three verses all about singing God's praise. Uh, one of these things, these, the commands that are in there are singing praise, singing um, that we are, should praise him and should sing to him because he is good. The reason that we sing songs here at church is not just to pass the time and to fill in this time slot, but it's because God is the only one worthy of that praise. He's the only one worthy of that. The only one worthy of us singing praises too. And so usually when we hear that word, like singing praise, we probably think about church and that kind of stuff. But people sing praise to people, to athletes, to musicians, to all kinds of different things. You can praise all these other things. But what Scripture says, what God's Word says, is that we should praise God alone. He's the only one worthy of it. Other, all kinds of people want to praise other people. Lots of people are, are big fans of LeBron James. Everybody wants to, the King James, his nickname is King James. People want to praise him. He is not worthy of that. I have nothing against LeBron James. He is good, he is great at what he does, but he is not worthy of the praise of man. God alone is worthy of that. He is worthy of all of our praise. It's the first thing you learn about God in these first three verses, is that he is worthy of all of our praise. There's so much truth about God in here. Uh, The next two verses there. For the word of the Lord holds true, and everything he does is worthy of our trust. He loves whatever is just and good, and his unfailing, unfailing love fills the earth. So in, in both of these verses, we see that, that, that God is somebody that we can and we should trust. He's somebody that's worthy of our praise, and he's somebody that we can and we should trust. He is trustworthy. It says, the word of the Lord holds true. Everything in here is, is truth. This is truth. It is true. It is correct. It is right. It is good. And it says everything he does, not just most of it, not just a little bit here and there, but everything he does is worthy of our trust. He is faithful in all that he does. And so anything that God says, anything that God promises, he will come through. And he will fulfill those promises and he will do what he said he's going to do. He is a firm foundation that we can stand on. It goes on to say in, in verse 5 that he loves whatever is just and good, so he loves what's right, he loves what's good, and his unfailing love fills the earth. A, a love that is unfailing. We sing that sometimes in here too, that his love never fails. It will never, ever fail you. Think about that. I know we sing that and you get used to that and you just hear that and it goes one ear out the other. But think about how many people fail you. Think about how many times you've been failed in your life. People that you trust, people that you've put everything into, people that you have, have trusted and, and given your trust and have spent time with and, 
have shared things with that have failed you and how much that hurts and how much that causes you not to want to trust again. One of the things about God, one of the many things, characteristics about God is that he has unfailing love. Those tones... So when I went home, um, we went back to Ohio, uh, which is where I'm from and where my wife is from, for Christmas break. And we were there. Uh, takes us two days to drive there and lots of kids in the car. It's always an exciting trip. Um, and I loved every minute that I got to spend with my family and my, my, my kids, uh, all the food that I got to eat. Uh, that I miss so much. Uh, you guys like Bluebell ice cream. I think it's not near as good as the ice cream that I grew up on, of course. And so uh, there's a, a brand name of ice cream there called Homemade Brand Ice Cream that this place called United Dairy Farmers produces. And uh, I got my favorite kind of ice cream, which they also don't have here in Bluebell. They don't have a peanut butter and chip, which is like flakes of peanut butter and flakes of chocolate chips with vanilla ice cream, and it's so good. And I had six pints of that while I was gone. One pint at a time. And, uh, I mean, it was spread out on different days. I didn't have it, like, all in one sitting. But I ate a ton of ice cream because I knew I wasn't going to get any for a long time. Um, but so we had lots of fun while we were there. And then um, Owen's birthday is on December 30th. Uh, and so I spent... Um, the way we do it is we go with Lauren's dad. Lauren's dad is remarried. Has, so Lauren has a stepmom. Uh, and then her mom isn't remarried. So we, we stay with Lauren's dad and, and, and her stepmom first for four nights. Then we pack up everything and then we move to Lauren's mom's house. Um, we stay there for four nights. Then we pack up everything and we move to my parents' house. And we stay there for four nights. And so we were like on our last leg of this trip, right? And... Uh, uh, and we were staying with my parents, and my dad asked if we could go to coffee one morning when I was there, the morning of Owen's birthday, and I said, yeah. Uh, and uh, something that we usually do when I'm at his house, and uh, so we went to this local coffee shop. Um, and then as, as soon as we sat down, I could tell something was different, and something was up, and he had something to tell me, and that's never good. You know that look on people's faces, like, uh, how, I gonna, how am I going to tell you this? Uh, and so he proceeded to tell me that uh, he was going to divorce my mom. Um, They've been married for 37 years. And I, and I have this conversation with, with lots of students in the past seven years that I've been here. And I've watched people deal with this, you know. And I, fi I finally felt it. I'm 31 years old. I have a wife who I love like crazy. We have a really, really healthy marriage. I have four kids. And despite all that, to hear my dad say that is still an earth-shattering thing. And it brings this immediate insecurity like I've never felt before. Some of you have felt it. 
Some of you have watched as you felt it for the first time. Now I know what it feels like. It sucks. For those of you that don't know my mom and dad's story, I've shared some before in here a little bit, but my dad is a believer. He's a Christian man for sure, 100%. My mom is not, I don't think. Um, my mom goes to Catholic church. She, she prays. She talks about God, but there are just things in her life that I, I couldn't say with confidence that my mom was a believer. And so, obviously that's been a really hard marriage to be in if somebody believes the truth of who God is and somebody maybe doesn't. Um, and so they butt heads a lot. And it's, been, it's not an easy marriage. I know it's not been perfect for a long time. Um, my dad even told me, I knew this, I didn't know it was, was to this extent. My dad even told me at one point that um, my mom and dad... That at their house, I know they have, like, my dad sleeps in a separate room sometimes just because he snores really bad and it keeps my mom awake, so she just asked him, like, go sleep in there, you know? I didn't know until I was having this conversation with him that they haven't slept in the same bed in 18 years. So that tells you a lot about where their relationship was. Um, but then he proceeded to tell me after that uh, that he was cheating on my mom and he was with another woman already. I was so mad at him. And I just wanted to... It's one thing if they choose to split. It's one thing if he chooses to end this thing. It's a totally different thing if he is cheating on my mom with another woman. It goes, it goes against everything that's in here. So I was pissed. And I yelled at him. I told him he was an idiot. I told him he was ruining everything that we were trying to do to reach the rest of our family. And I was just really confused. And I just sat there and listened for like an hour, saying some of those things that I just said, and then I, I prayed for him for a while. And he kept telling me that he was okay, that, like, that God was okay with it, because he had like repented of what he'd done. And I got a chance to talk to him again the next day, and I said... I th after I cleared my head and thought about it a little bit longer, and I said, there's no way that, you're, that God is okay with this. You're, you're, you're saying you've repented of something that you're still in the middle of. And so that's a lie that you are believing. You may, you may be telling yourself this to try to get yourself through it, but that is a lie. It is not okay, and God is not okay with it, and he's not okay with you being with another woman right now. I went and talked to my... At this time, so my dad tells me that, right? He told me he had told, I have two older sisters. One's two years older than me, one's four years older than me. And he had told one of them like three weeks before, and then he told the other one a week before. And my mom still didn't know anything. So life in my mom's head is normal. Um, this is my son's sixth birthday. And we have to go because we have to give everybody, get breakfast for everybody. And then, like, I have no time to, like, really think through everything. And so I get in the van. And we leave my parents' house. And uh, I tell Lauren to put a movie on for the kids in the back and turn it up a little bit louder than normal. And I told her what I just told you guys. And 
she started crying right away. We're both crying. We have like this 15, 20-minute drive to where we're going to celebrate my son's sixth birthday. And we're bawling. And our kids have no idea. And so, yeah, my dad asked me if he wanted, if she, if he wanted me to tell, wanted me to have, wanted me, if he, let me take a look at this. If he um, should tell my mom before I leave or after I leave, he asked my opinion on that. I said, you need to tell her as soon as possible because I like, want to hug mom for real before I leave. And, uh, and so we go and stay with Lauren's dad that night, uh, the next day, and uh, New Year's Eve, we, we stay with Lauren's dad and we get out of the house. And, and my dad said he was going to tell my mom. And so I thought my, mo- my mom's a pretty defensive person with any kind of confrontational conversation. So we thought it was going to get really ugly really quick. Um, and then he uh, texted me like three hours later and said they were still talking, so I thought that was probably a good thing. And then he texted me a few hours after that and said they were going to a movie. And I was like, what world are my parents going to a movie and they're both okay with that right now? What the heck? And so I was really confused. So I called my mom the next morning. That's all I heard from them, really. And I called them the next morning, and I said, we have to pack up our stuff because we were leaving the next day. And I said, I want to know what I'm walking into. And... uh they told me, she told me it had died down and it was okay. And I said, okay. And that's all she told me. And when I got there, they were like sitting on the couch together. And they were acting normal. And I was like, what in the world? And uh, we're there for like an hour watching football games on New Year's Day. And nobody's saying anything out of the ordinary. Finally, I go downstairs and Lauren's like, what the heck is going on? And I was like, I don't know. They're not saying anything. She's like, you better make them talk right now. I'm taking the kids downstairs and you go make them talk. And I was like, okay. Um, Lauren's like the voice of truth that I need to hear a lot of the times, and, uh, and she was right. I needed to do something if nobody else was going to do anything, and so I, I asked them to talk. My sister had gotten there already, um, and then a little bit later, my other sister came too, and then we ended up talking for hours, three or four hours, and uh, basically my mom, when my dad told her, because my dad told her with as much confidence that he's told us that he was leaving her, and that there was this other woman, and he had this other life plan, um, and my mom's reaction was not hate and violence. And she, she got out of the car first and left because they were parked somewhere. And she just started walking. My dad said he had to, like, drive her drive around until she would finally get back in the car. And, um, and she, her reaction was, you're just going to throw 37 years away? Like, you're just going to throw this away? You don't want to even work on it? And I feel like that reaction of really an amazingly, like, miraculous amount of grace from my mom snapped my dad back into reality. And he realized how much he was living in sin and how much he was living a lie and how much he was not okay. And they talked and they cried for three hours, four hours, and then they got to a point when they were so exhausted that they looked at each other and said, you want to go to a movie and just, like, forget about it for two hours? And they went to a movie on New Year's Eve together. Um... And then they came back and they talked about it and cried about it all night long. And so they told us this, and, uh, and they said, so I said, what, what, where do you, like, what, are you, what are you saying? Like, where do you go from here? And they're like, well, we're going to try to make this work. And I was like, what? Like, 
this is the craziest 24 hours of my life. And don't get me wrong, I'm really excited that that's what they want to do. But it's also like this the craziest thing. And they said they're going to agree to go to marriage counseling. I talked to my dad a few days ago and he had, um, all this started for him with a Facebook conversation from a girl he went to high school with. And they started talking on Facebook. Her husband was dying. He was trying to reach out to her in a good way and he actually went and prayed for her and her husband. Uh, Her husband had cancer and went and prayed for them and was doing some things like that. But then I think she confided in him and then when she confided in him, he confided in her with his marriage problems, and then it was downhill from there. He just made one stupid choice after another. And so and my dad called me a few days ago. He said he had talked to this other woman, told her it was over, with my mom there at the house telling her everything. And uh, I can't believe I'm saying that right now. Like it's just... Um, and then he deleted his Facebook account, and... Uh, and my sister, I called her the other day, and she said, I, I was just with mom and dad, and they're like acting like a, they're like a, 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 a high school couple that just got together. They're like all like flirty and touchy, and it's weird. And uh, it's awesome. I mean, I talked to my, mom, my dad, and he said, I don't know, we were talking, and we don't know the last time we've been, like felt this in love with each other. It's probably when we first got married. And, uh, and the night that we left, the last night that we stayed there, they slept in the same bed for the first time in 18 years. And um, I share all that with you because I think it's relevant. Um, If you put your hope in anything other than Christ, you will be disappointed. I feel like I had, uh, immediately when I came back here, I had several hard conversations with other people who had went through some, some rough stuff over the break too. And then I just got a text two days ago. Some of you know Lincoln, my, my best, one of my best friends. He lives in Sherman, Texas. He got a call. I shared, he was like one of the two people, him and Jeremiah, um, who works here too. Uh, I shared with them when I was in Ohio, just called them what was going on, asked them to pray like crazy. Um, and then this miracle happened, you know. And uh, so Lincoln knew everything that was going on with me and my dad. And then I got a, a text from his wife two days ago that said um, his dad is a farmer and uh, has a horse farm. And there was some kind of accident on the farm. And his dad got killed um, just out of nowhere. Uh, and so I, took, I called Lincoln yesterday and just cried on the phone for him, you know. One day you have your dad, and the next day you don't. And, it, and I've just been reminded in these conversations, like, if I put my hope in anything other than Jesus Christ, I will be disappointed and I will be crushed and I will be so... I don't know how people get through life without it. God is a a God that's worthy of our praise. He's somebody that we can trust. He's somebody that his love will never fail. And when I hear that now, I think about what I just experienced and how my mom probably thought that my dad's love for her would never fail, and it did. My dad is a good man. He is. 
but sin will ruin you. Sin will take you stupid places if you let it. And, and just thinking about like this picture that my mom had of my dad probably. Uh, and, then it, and then it collapses. And I don't, uh, again, I don't know, I don't, I don't think my mom knows Christ, like knows what a relationship with Christ looks like. I hope this is something that pushes her there. I hope that because of all of this and because my dad didn't live up to these things, that it pushes her to something that's bigger, that she needs something that's bigger. Um, and there's lots of good things in conversations, and I've sent my mom scripture the past couple of days a couple of times, and I've never sent my mom scripture in life because I'm just scared of it. Um, but you get to the point where you get desperate, and then you don't really care. You don't really care what she thinks about it. I don't really care if, it, if, if she is offended by it or whatever. I just I want her to know the truth. Um, so whatever you're putting your hope in this year, whether it's, again, th- that list that we talked about, it can be anything, whether it's your parents, whether it's uh, a relationship, a boyfriend or girlfriend or friendship. Like, if you're putting too much weight on those things, they will never hold. They were never meant to. The word of the Lord holds true, and everything he does is worthy of our trust. He loves whatever is just and good, and his unfailing love fills the earth. Then you go on in verse 6. It says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He gave the sea its boundaries and locks the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let everyone in the world fear the Lord. Let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. Verses 6 through 9 there, it says, God, literally all he did was speak and everything was created. He just had to say the words. And, and everything that we see, all the things that we are amazed by, all those sunsets that you post to Instagram, right? All those things that just make you stop and that you are literally in awe of. If you've ever seen anything in nature that you just stop and you are literally in awe of because it is so big or it is so beautiful or so whatever, He spoke and he created that. He just said the words and he created it. He didn't have to work. He just said it and it was, and it was done. This is the kind of power, this is the kind of authority that, that God has. This is why he is worthy of our praise. The God who spoke everything into being is worthy of our praise. So it starts this big picture, right? This big picture of him creating all these things that are, that are massive, stars in the sky and all this sort of stuff. And it goes down and talks about how he created us. I'm going to skip over 10 and 11. We'll come back there. But he says in verse 12, What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen for his own. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne he, observe, he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. So not only did he make all these big things, but he looks down from heaven, he sees all of us. He sees all of you, he sees all of me all day, every day. And not only does he just see you and he just see you go through your actions, but he sees, he, it says he made your heart and it says he knows everything, everything, and understands everything that we do. And that means not just the actions that you take, but he understands every motive behind everything that you do. He understands every bit of you, more so than anybody else. 
He understands what makes you excited. He understands what frustrates you. He understands why you do the things you do more than anything else. He knows Bubba better than Bubba knows Bubba. Right? Uh, he knows us all, every bit of you. Which is why we should praise him and it's why we should trust him. Because not only does he know us and he know every bit of us, but he's the one that made us. He's the one that designed you and how you should live your life. He knows it better than anybody else. As if that's not reason enough to put your trust in him. Because he created you, because he's the one who created everything, because he has more power than anybody else, he has more authority than anything else. Because he knows you more intimately than anybody else ever can or ever will. He is one that is worthy of our trust, worthy of our hope, worthy of, for us to put our hope in. Verses 10 and 11, it says, The Lord shatters the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Another reason to trust in him. His plans, the things that he wants done, will always happen. His intentions, the things that he has planned for this world, the things that he wants to see happen, will happen no matter what. So our choice is, knowing that whatever he plans is going to happen, we can be a part of that plan, we can jump in and, and, and get to experience some of that plan, but even if we choose not to, we can't mess it up. There's nothing that you can do to mess up the plan that he has. That's somebody that I want to trust in, that his plan is always going to happen. That there's no doubt that whatever he wants to happen will happen and it will be fulfilled. It goes down to say in, in verse 16, The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor the great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory, for all its strength it cannot save you. The best army, the, the toughest guy in the world, the, the most ruthless killer, the, the best warrior, none of that is powerful enough to save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear him and those who rely on his unfailing love. Again, it's just kind of put in there in verse, verse 5 and in verse 18 here. This unfailing love, this love that never fails, it's never going to stop, it's never going to uh, quit on you, and it's always going to be enough for you. The Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love, and he rescues them from death and keeps them alive. He's the only one that can rescue us from sin and death. He's the only one that can, that can keep us from that. He's the only one that can give us life. That's the only reason why I come here every week. That's the only reason why this is my job is because I hope you get that. So that 20 years down the line, you're not, 30 years down the line, you're not telling your wife that you're going to leave her. Because you've been searching for life in all these other places besides him. That's what it comes down to, people putting their hope in other things. When you put your hope in other things, 
you're always going to be disappointed. And so I hope you get that now. I hope you get it way sooner than I ever did. That if you put your hope in Jesus Christ and in what he's done now and for the rest of your life, that is a way better deal for you. He alone rescues us from death. He alone keeps us alive in times of famine. We depend on the Lord alone to save us. Only He can help us. He protects us like a shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we are trusting in His holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in You alone. It says our hearts rejoice in verse 21 because we are trusting in His holy name. Psalm 9.10 says, those who know your name will trust in you. That's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Because it says, if you know Jesus' name, if you know him, if you take time and you can find out who he is in this book, right? If you take time and you actually know who Jesus is and you know these things about him and you know who he is, if you know his name and all the things that come with that, it doesn't say you might trust him. It doesn't say you're going to trust him sometimes and other times you're not. If you really know his name, you will trust him. Because he's that good. Think about in this one psalm, this is a list of things that we know from about God in this one psalm, right? Just these few verses. This is what you find out about God. He is worthy of our praise. His word is true. He is trustworthy. He is just and good. His love is unfailing and it fills the earth. He spoke and created the world. His plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. He sees everyone. He made us and knows all that we do think, say, believe, and desire. He watches over those who fear him and rely on him. He rescues us from death. He gives life. We are dependent on him alone to save us. He can help us. He protects us like a shield. We can trust him. Our hope is in him alone. That's one psalm. It's because of this God that the things like this break for, for, from over Christmas, I still have hope. There's a lot of work that my parents have to do to get over years and years of not really talking, not really communicating. God has to do a lot of things in both of their hearts if that's going to be a success. They're at the beginning of a really, really difficult time, a really long journey, I'm sure. But I have hope. I have hope in the same God who, 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 who worked in a way that my mom showed my dad grace. My mom, who I don't think is a believer, showed my dad, who is a believer, grace after he cheated on her. It doesn't make sense. I believe in a God that can restore that. I believe in a God and I pray to a God that can help my friend through the death of his father. When his head is spinning and he doesn't know what's, what to do and he's got to figure out how to, his dad had a horse farm with, with 50 horses. What the heck is he supposed to do? He has his own jobs. He has his own things he has to get, get done and his own family to take care of. But I believe in the God that will get him through that. So many of you in your stories, I believe that God will get you through the things that you are in the midst of. I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but I, I believe that God will get you through it. You can put hope in that, and you can stand firm in that, and believe that. 
no matter what the outcome is. JD, I see you. You know, I think with everything that you and your family are going through, that, that, that hope that's on your wrist is one of the verses I have here tonight. Hebrews 6, 18 through 19. Take hold of the hope set before us. This hope that we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. What does an anchor do? It holds a boat steady, right? So it doesn't drift and it doesn't go places that can destroy it. The best anchor for our soul is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ that will keep us from drifting to stupid places that can destroy us. That is a hope that you can stake your life on no matter what is thrown at you. So no matter how ugly it gets, and man, I know a lot of you, and I know a lot of your stories. I don't tell you this stuff tonight so you would feel sorry for me. My point is that my hope is in something way bigger than my parents. My hope is in in a God who never changes and a God whose love never fails. Some of you have gone through way worse stuff than I have ever gone through, for real. Some of you wish you had parents that would, would be fighting and trying to work on a marriage. I, I get that. And, and I'm saying, even for you, put your hope in something that can actually hold the weight. And that's in God alone. 